One of Crystal's closest friends is a woman named Tracy. Crystal met Tracy uh, when our boys were younger and they were, one of our sons and one of her sons was going, was in the same class in the same grade and they were having a craft day and Crystal volunteered and Tracy volunteered. And uh, I can't quite remember, I think Crystal had, it was Christmas time and she had the, uh, <laughs> the gingerbread Christmas trees and the kids at her station were supposed to paint them and Tracy had the gingerbread house making. And out of Tracy's uh, section, these beautiful castles were being made uh, with gingerbread. Not just houses, they were wonderful. And, and Crystal, who isn't really that crafty, uh, she had kids painting black Christmas trees, green, red. She said, I don't, whatever you want to paint them, go ahead and paint them. And so Tracy came over and she had kind of overseen the whole thing. She looked at Crystal's station and said, you're not really into crafts, are you? <laughs> And from that moment on, Crystal said, there was something about Tracy, we just connected. Well, they met a few more times over the year, and then one time, Crystal said to her, uh, boy, you got nice legs, which is a weird thing to say for, to another woman, but Tracy was a runner, and so was Crystal, and Crystal noticed, she said, those calves belong to a runner. They connected on that and decided, let's go running. So Crystal began to intercede or pray for Tracy. Lord, are you working here? What are you doing? What do you want me to do? And they began to run. It became very evident early on in the, in that Tracy wanted nothing to do with spiritual things, especially church. She had had a background or an exposure to it. She didn't want anything to do with it. And after all, Crystal was the pastor's wife. And so what are you going to get? Church. And she made it clear she was resistant to it, didn't want to talk about it. And so we continued to intercede for Tracy and Crystal continued to run. Three times a week they ran together for three years. Not a word about Jesus, not a word about church, nothing. But then suddenly something changed, something shifted, and Tracy began to ask questions. She was had an interest, and while they were young, she would throw out a question and see what Crystal had to say, throw out a topic, see what she had to say. And for the next couple of years, as we interceded and Crystal was involved in Tracy's life, Tracy began to ask questions while they were out running. In that period of time, Crystal uh, uh, talked to her, shared, answered her questions, and then began to invite her to read the Bible. And why don't you come to church? And, and slowly, bit by bit, Tracy began to draw closer to Jesus. Until I remember Crystal came home and said, Tracy just told me that she surrendered her life to Christ and has become a follower of Jesus Christ. For five years we interceded, for five years we asked God to show us what to do, and for five years the Holy Spirit was working and softening her heart. In fact, we found out later the Holy Spirit had been working in her life long before we ever came on the scene. God just brought Crystal and me in a supportive role onto the scene of Tracy's life. Now the reason I tell you that is because that is a great picture of what we are going to talk about today. We started this series, Acts chapter one, last week, and now we're gonna move into Acts chapter two. But to, in order to understand Acts chapter two, you need to understand Genesis 11. 
You won't really get what's happening in Acts 2 unless you get what's happening in Genesis 11. So what do we need to do? Go to Genesis 11. So take your Bible and turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. And I want to bring us to the story of the Tower of Babel. Now remember, for, for just a little bit of review from last week, remember Jesus came to his disciples and said, now I have a mission for you, you're going to be my witnesses to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when we read the New Testament, it seems like that was a new thing, but we discovered last week, uh-uh, that's the original command of God to Adam and Eve, but then through the sin and the violence, the earth became so corrupt that God in his justice and righteousness could no longer allow the sin of mankind to go unaddressed and he brought destruction to the earth but Noah found favor in the sight of God and God saved mankind through Noah and the ark and when they came out of the ark God said to Noah now I want you to continue to uh, multiply and spread the knowledge of me through this earth and bring the earth into submission the same command he gave in Adam and Eve he repeated to Noah and of course the earth became corrupt until this point, Genesis chapter 11. And this is the event of change. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. Everybody spoke the same language. As people moved eastward, they found in a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said, which is probably Iraq, Iran area. They said to each other, come. Let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. Now stop for a second. They came to a plain. What was God's command? Multiply and spread throughout the earth. They came to this plain and said, this is pretty good. We're going to stay here. It doesn't really matter what God said to us. We're going to stay here. We like it here. And then they, uh, the scripture says that they make these bricks and they bake them thoroughly and they use the brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. What had God said to them? I want you to what? Go through the fire. Well, no, no. We're going to create this tower. Now, the tower is likely, from archaeology, a ziggurat, which is kind of a, a four-sided structure that keeps going up and up and up and up. And, and always in the religion of this area, that on top of that ziggurat was the seat of God. So not only are we going to not scatter through the earth like God told us, but we are going to build a new God. We're no longer going to fulfill the mission that God gave us. We're no longer even going to believe in that God. We're going to replace him with a different God, our God of our making. Now, this is dangerous. We have to believe that if God wanted mankind, created mankind and wanted mankind to spread through the earth, then that was for the well-being of the earth. And yet, so rebellious had become the heart of mankind that they no longer wanted to follow God or obey God. 
So the Lord came down to the city in the tower where the people were building. And the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this. What is this? So usually when I read this story, I used to think, well, build the tower, right? But we have to take it in the context of the book of Genesis, that God is moving mankind to fulfill as image bearers, to fulfill our original responsibility and mission, and that that's the context of these early chapters of Genesis, and, and God comes down and says, they are no longer doing what is best for them and what I have commanded them to do. That's what this refers to. And if, as the same language, they've begun to do this, to rebel and disobey and lead the earth astray, well, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. No evil they plan to do. No rebellion. So come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. And so the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building the city, and that's why it's called Babel. So, there is a rebellion, and God deals with it by confusing the languages, and so scatters them through the earth. God scatters the people through the earth by confusing their language. Now, that's the background to Acts chapter two. Flip over to Acts chapter two. Because really, honestly, the story, the mega story of the scriptures is that God created this world and he put mankind into it and we were image makers and God wants to rule this earth in conjunction with mankind and our role is to spread the knowledge of God throughout the earth and bring it into submission to him and then it kept, it, it didn't work with Adam and Eve and then it didn't work with Noah and it didn't, so God went to Abraham and through Abraham created a nation that was supposed to be a witness for him and spread the knowledge of God through the earth and it didn't work through them. So God said, I'm going to send Jesus and Jesus would die on the cross to pay for our sins and then he rises from the dead and you can't get a better example of one who has overcome death and sin than rising from the dead. And what does he do? He says to his followers, now I'm going to send you throughout the whole world. Wait, remember chapter one? Wait for a gift I have to give you. So they're waiting. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, all together is 120 of them. If you go to Acts chapter 1, verse 15, you realize there's 120 believers, and they're all gathering, waiting. And then on this day, suddenly a sound of blowing and violent wind came from the heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They're in, the, they're in there worshiping, praying, talking about Jesus, to understanding their faith, and then suddenly this blowing wind they hear coming from heaven fills the whole, the whole, the whole house. Imagine how scary that must have been for them. I'm sure some of them thought there must be a hurricane coming through here. And then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. My question when reading this was, why tongues? 
Now we know from other passages in scripture that tongues is a spiritual gift the Holy Spirit gives. But in this particular case, at this particular time, right after Jesus said, I'm promising the Holy Spirit will come so that you can fulfill my mission, why tongues? Well, Genesis 11. What God scattered through the confusing of tongues, he is now going to gather, and the Holy Spirit uses tongues or languages to now spread his word and his people through all the nations of the earth. And this is a sign to the church that this is what the Holy Spirit is going to be doing in the church. That the mission of Jesus, that Jesus pulls from Genesis and throughout the Old Testament is now the focus of the Holy Spirit in the church. And what greater way to examine that, to say that, than to give the ability to all these 120 new believers to go out and supernaturally speak in a language they have never spoken before. Now, the reason I believe that this is what's going on is because of the next verses. Verse 5, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Why would Luke write that in there? Every word in Scripture is there for a reason. Why does he say there's people from every nation, nation under heaven? Because what God had scattered in Genesis 11, he is now going to gather in Acts chapter 2. And then he lists where they came from. And when they heard the sound and the crowd came together in bewilderment, what was causing them bewilderment? Because each one heard their own language being spoken. And utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these guys that are speaking, these men and women, aren't they Galileans? Now, Galilee is just the area around the Sea of Galilee, and they're like, well, how would those people up there in backwater Galilee know the languages of all the world? This is weird. This is unusual. And then Luke intentionally tells us where they came from. They're Parthians and Medes and Elamites. That's all Iran and and into the mountainous area of Afghanistan and, and on toward India. Residents of Mesopotamia, that would be modern day Iraq and Lebanon, Judea, which is modern-day Israel, Cappadocia, Pontus, Assyria, that's all modern-day Turkey, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, all along the northern coast of Africa, Cretans, Arabs, that's all the area south and kind of west, south and east of modern-day Israel. Visitors from Rome, everywhere, every part of the known world, there's people coming in because that, it still happens today. People from all over the world, Jews, still go to Jerusalem to worship at the Passover and Pentecost, which follows after Passover. They still go today, and that day was no different, and they're all there, and they all have their languages that they grew up in in different parts of the world, but they come on a quest, or they come on a a trip to worship God in Jerusalem, and their main language is wherever they're from, and their secondary language is Aramaic that's spoken here 
in Israel. And they hear their own tongue being spoken and they're from everywhere in part of the world. Why would Luke say that? Because what God scattered in Genesis 11, he is now gathering through the church. The mission of God, started with Adam and Eve, will now be fulfilled by Jesus through his church. Some, however, made fun of them and said, ah, they're drunk. They have too much wine. Now, a couple things I'd like to point out before we go further in this passage. The first thing is, notice that the hearts of people are moved, not because of the words of the church, but because of the movement and work of the Holy Spirit. That the mission of the church to carry the name of Jesus and tell people about Jesus is effective when empowered by the Holy Spirit, not just because we do it. Now we're kind of subtext of this series is renewal of the Holy Spirit, and this is one of the first things we need to understand, that there is this relationship that we have with God by walking in a spirit. That's Paul says in Galatians 5, let us walk by the Spirit. That's a, a symbol or a picture of two people who are walking together in relationship or living together. And that we, by, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work of Jesus. We don't have the energy or the motivation to do it our own, but when we're filled by his Spirit, we, we come alive to what God wants to do. And so the greatest thing that we can understand is that it's God that changes the hearts of people, which means for us, prayer is an essential. As we pray, the Holy Spirit begins to use us and work. Or maybe a better way to say that, as we pray, we become aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of people. Oh, you're interested in Tracy? Well, then let me show you what I'm doing in Tracy's life. Let me use you in Tracy's life. You care about what Tracy needs to come to Christ? Well, then let me include you in the process I'm doing in her life. Now, I, I think I've told you rather recently, but it bears repeating, the lesson on prayer that God taught me uh, through covid uh, when I came to Christ, it was, I almost hate to say it, it was 40 years ago, um, I was late in my teen years, and I put my faith in Christ and then really started to grow, and I knew that my sisters, I have three sisters, knew that they were not, or felt that they were not followers of Christ, um, and so I began to pray for them. And then I tried to talk to them and, and tell them that, you know, uh, you need to have Jesus and you're going to hell if you don't have, I was really zealous, I just didn't have a lot of knowledge on how to deal with people in this new faith I had, and I turned them off. And so I, I began to pray for years and years and years, and it got discouraging because I wasn't seeing anything, I wasn't seeing any sense that God was working at all. And, and at times there would be months go by I wouldn't pray for my family because it just seemed like it would, you know, after 20 years of praying and nothing happened, after 25 years of praying, after 35 years of praying and nothing happening, I kind of was discouraged. Then COVID hit, 
And in one of my uh, devotional times, I sensed the Holy Spirit prompt me to text my sisters and invite them to Alpha Online. And I'm like, well, clearly that's not a prompting of the Holy Spirit. I mean, invite somebody online to Alpha, my sisters. I prayed for them 35 years, there's nothing there. But, the, but as with, when I sense this prompting, ah, I'm not, I, I have to learn, like you, to listen to the voice of the Spirit, and that sometimes it could be my emotions, and that time in prayer always makes it clear for me, and then over a few days, that prompting just kept getting greater and greater and greater, and so I finally said, okay, I'll do it, and I texted, I put my three sisters in there, hey, uh, I do this uh, alpha thing, it's a study about who Jesus is, would you be in, like you t- talk about tact, right? Hey, you interested in joining me? Send. One sister, immediately, nope. The other two, sure. I'm like, oh, now I guess I have to do this. (laughs) So we're about, I don't know if it's the first or second or third, I think it's the second, but it's the the session where uh, Nikki Gumbel is talking about the need to receive, Nikki Gumbel's the leader of Alpha and the main speaker, and he talks about the need to personally receive Jesus. And he quotes, he uses Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, opens the door, I will come in and sup with him. And so he kind of explains that in the session. The session's about 26 minutes long. And then at the end of every session, I just ask my sisters, hey, what stood out to you? And one of my sisters says, you know, Jesus has been knocking at the door of my heart for years. I've just been saying no. I'm like, oh, I don't believe this. I've been praying for years, seeing nothing, and thinking God wasn't doing anything, and then he kind of opens up the door and says, I've been doing stuff. I just haven't been ready to use you yet. The greatest thing we can do for people around us that are not followers of Jesus is to intercede and ask, and intercede in patience and endurance and ask for the Holy Spirit to work in their life and that if you want to use me, show me what I could do. So my role for 35 years was to pray until finally they were open to talk about Alpha. The power of the Holy Spirit working in somebody's life. And prayer is absolute essentials. And so I would say to you that if you want to seek renewal of the Holy Spirit, then pray. If you are concerned about people in your family or friends or neighbors or people you hang out with, pray. That's where it all starts. Pray because it's God's desire that they would know hope if they, if they so choose to follow Jesus. And so the obvious question, who are you praying for? <laughs> who do you pray for regularly? It gets discouraging, doesn't it? As you pray and you don't see anything. I'm telling you, when it's ready, when the Holy Spirit is ready, he will bring you in when the time is right. But until then, pray. Now, the other thing I would say is what were these people doing before the Holy Spirit was poured out on them? Well, they were in the house. Well, why were they in the house? Well, Jesus told them, wait for what I'm going to give you. Wait. 
wait. Now Jesus has numerous commands in the scripture. I'm gonna tell you, waiting is one of the hard ones. I want my child to follow you, wait. I need this money, wait. I want to be healed, wait. Waiting is always hard. But they obeyed. And because they obeyed, they were in a place to receive the next step God had for them, the pouring out of the Spirit. The pouring out of the Spirit, the renewing work of the Spirit is preceded by obedience. Because obedience puts us in a place to receive what God wants to do in us. Now scripture in Ephesians 4.30, 5.30 says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So you grieve the Holy Spirit when you do things that Jesus tells you not to, but you do them anyway. And then 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us not to quench the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And you quench the Spirit when you don't do the things that Jesus tells you to do. So you grieve him by doing things you know you shouldn't do, disobedience. And you quench the Spirit when you don't do the things the Spirit is telling you to do. And that's disobedience. And I wonder, I just wonder, if part of the reason that you are not experiencing the renewal of the Holy Spirit is that you're either grieving or quenching the Spirit by things in your life. Now stop and listen to me here. None of us is perfect. And God knows that. And what he's looking for is a heart that wants to seek him. And as we seek him and walk through life, he will bring up issues of things we need to stop or things we need to start. And how you respond to the work of the Holy Spirit and the word of Jesus in your heart at that point determines how far you're gonna go with Jesus. When you grieve the spirit by saying, I'm not stopping, or quench the spirit by saying, I'm not starting, then you're stuck. And if you want to experience the work of the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in your life, it's always preceded by obedience. So just stop and ask yourself right now, what Holy Spirit, this would be your prayer, right at this moment, Holy Spirit, am I grieving you or quenching you in any way? Reveal that to me. You want to go on a ride? Pray that prayer. Now he may answer you right now. It may come to your head. You go, oh, no, not that. Yeah, or it may take a few days or a week before the Spirit begins to show you and prepare you for what he has for you. But a heart that wants to be renewed must first deal with disobedience. Are you grieving or quenching the Spirit? Ask him. If you know, well, you know what you got to do. If you don't know, ask. And if he doesn't reveal anything, then you're on the right track. Ask.
Okay, back to Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit pours out on the people. They start speaking in tongues to all these different nations. It's a, it's a, a work of the Spirit to show that the mission of Jesus now is going to go forth throughout the whole world. And, and then you got these people that are like, huh, what's going on here? And you got these people, ah, they're drunk. And so Peter explains to these Jewish people, Jewish people who are steeped in Old Testament learning, he said, this is what... But Joel, the prophet Joel, was talking about when he said this in the last days, verse 17, I will put, no, 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 stop, I went too quick. In the last days. Now, whenever I thought of that term, the last, I was always thinking of tribulation. I was thinking of the time and the period of the tribulation, of the apocalyptic events that are described in different parts of the Bible and really talked about in Revelation. And whenever I heard the last days, the final days, I was always thinking of those period of time that we often call the tribulation. That's what I was thinking. But when God spoke to Joel and Peter quotes Joel, Peter says, this is the last days. Today, starting, that was 2,000 years ago. We are in the last days, meaning not that these are the final days of earth, meaning that God has been working through Adam and Eve, and then that all crashed, and then he raised up Noah, and that all crashed, and then he raised up Abraham, and that all crashed, and now's the church and Jesus, and this is the last series of events, time period, when God will bring the earth to its conclusion before the, the end events that happen in the book of Revelation. Do you realize we are in the last days? They have been going for 2,000 years. They may go another 100 years or 200 years. But this is the final end. Did you hear the verse that Barb read for us? It is a picture of the end times. And she read that every knee will bow. In heaven, on earth, under the earth, every knee will bow. And it struck me, that was the original vision that God gave Adam and Eve. Repeated to Noah, repeated to Abraham, and given by Jesus to the church. That's what we are ushering in when we bring the earth into the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his salvation. And all people surrender to him. That's our mission. What are you living for? Jesus is living for. It's what he created the church for. It's why he brought us into the church. It's why he put us here in 2022. What are you living for? What fills your heart and mind? Your time? So Peter says in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now, you have to understand, this is a Jewish audience. They understand what prophecy is all about. They will prophesy, meaning 
they will speak, all these people will speak the word of God. So the Jews were used to, for hundreds of years, there were these things called prophets who were individuals who God would speak to, and then it was their job to speak to the people so the people would know what God wanted of them. And, and God is, 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 Peter and Joel, Peter's quoting Joel, and it's a reference, a veiled reference to Jeremiah 31, where Jeremiah says, God says to Jeremiah, I'm gonna give a new covenant and they will know me from the heart and I will speak to them. It'll be a one-on-one. There won't be any, uh, there won't be any need for somebody to tell them about God because they'll know me. And he says, now everyone's a prophet and your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they'll all speak for me. And then he gives, and I don't have time to go into this, but he gives what I think is the the waning part of the last days, the sun will be turned to darkness, or rather, it will show wonders in the heavens above, the signs below, blood and smoke and billows of smoke, blood and fire rather, billows of smoke, the sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming and the great glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter just gave us an understanding of this whole church age. The Spirit is going to be poured out on God's people and they will tell about God. And then he's going to bring it to an incredible end. I have another sermon. I mean, this sermon, well, I just looked at the time. This sermon I'm speaking, I'm halfway. So I'm ending it right now. But I wanna just end on this. Peter will go on and he'll, uh, I said, who are you kidding, right? Ed, you're ending it? Yeah, right, pray and get off the stage. No, uh, I can't because uh, Peter goes on to tell them, fellow Israel, it's verse 22, listen to this, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to you by God and miracles, wonders, sign, which the Lord did through him as you yourselves know. In verse 32, he goes on to explain, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God. He received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit and poured out what you now see and hear. And so he's saying, it's all coming from Jesus. This is what's going on. All these people are speaking in tongues. They're telling about God. You're hearing it. But this all started because of Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross. And this is his plan to spread the good news of gospel everywhere in the world. And with many other, verse 40, with many other words, he warned them, he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 added to their number. That's what it's all about. Now what I didn't have time for you is, oh, I'm not gonna say it, I'll get into it. But I think you get the point. In fact, there's two points. One, What's God about in our world today? To spread the name of Jesus throughout the world, calling his church to join him as he spreads the gospel through all the continents of the earth, 
through all the countries of the earth, through all the provinces in your country, through all the, the counties in your province, and through all the areas where you live. That's what the Holy Spirit is focused on. That's the work that God is doing. And when you begin to pray, God, I want to be part of what you're doing. I want you to fill me. I want you to pour your spirit out on me. I want you to speak through me. I want you to do in my life. You may do something miraculous. Or he may use you like he did Crystal for five years to just speak slowly, patiently into the life of a person. God, use me. He is looking. That's what the Spirit is doing. And he is looking for people who are saying, here am I. When's the last time you prayed that prayer? Who's the last person you prayed that for? That is what Jesus is about. And he's inviting us to join him. And I believe that if we want to be renewed as a church, passionate about our faith, impacting, influencing the world around us, reaching people from all over the world and all over our neighborhood and all over our families, it will be because we are calling on Jesus to use us. And that will bring massive change to the heart, our hearts. It will change your, I'm telling you that one of the things that changed me most is when I get serious about reaching people, then a joy starts to fill me I can't explain. Well, I can, it's the Holy Spirit. The other thing I would say is clearly, 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 we can't do this without the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us, Luke chapter 11, Ask the Father for the filling of the Spirit. He's good. Loves to give good gifts. Ask him. James says, you don't have because you don't ask. But if you're going to ask for the filling of the Spirit and for the Spirit to use you, however he chooses to, and we're going to see some ways the Spirit works, obedience is your first step. Is there anything you are grieving the Spirit by that you are doing or anything you are quenching the Spirit because you're not doing? Settle that first and then the Spirit will begin to meet with you. Would you bow your head, please? Uh, Lord, uh, your word is too wonderful for me. I am amazed at its continuity. That early in the very first book, you were setting out your plan for the earth and you have been faithfully for millennia following that through. It is incredible what you are doing and that you want to use us. And so I want, as senior pastor here, I want to pray Come Holy Spirit, work in us and bring to a head the things of disobedience that need to be handled. Grow within us a passion for the people you have put into our lives. 
Give us courage to seek you for what you are doing and courage to step into what you call us to. And renew us as you lead us and we obey you. And so I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen.